The Wicked Smart Sports Guide is brought to you by CellMaxBatteries.com. As always, the go-to website for all your battery needs. CellMax Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-alkaline lithium and button cell batteries. CellMax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, CellMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, game controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke alarms, whatever device you need a battery for, CellMax has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of Ultra Alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming and high-tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use code BOSTON, that's coupon code BOSTON at checkout, all uppercase, and save 20% off your entire order. Once again, that's coupon code BOSTON, all uppercase at checkout, and save big today. Sellmaxbatteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X-Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks, as always, to Dolly Dreams. For the intro music, this week we're talking about the NBA's return and we're going to count down our top 5 Celtics games of the last 15 years with Guy Boston Sports, Celtics and NBA writer Jason Yeager. Jason, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, KJ. So, Jason, let's start with the NBA's return. There's been a whole raft of ideas as it pertains to how the NBA should go about returning to play, eliminating conferences, reseeding 1-16, to Group play, like they have in FIBA with the 20 teams, playing tournaments, jumping back into the regular season and having a few more games there. What have you liked out of these proposals that have been thrown around? Honestly, I think that the most attractive option is just to keep the standard format that they have. Uh, just the East and West separate, uh, one through eight from each conference, and then probably just playing some preseason games to sort of get back into the rhythm and uh, to get everybody's bodies right before the they jump right into the playoffs. Yeah, I actually agree. I would agree with that. I, I, I the, As far as the preseason games, I don't know how you manage that. I honestly, I think you're probably just going to have to make it work with scrimmages and practices. I don't see a functional way that you can make preseason games worth playing. Uh, at the end of the day, you're just going to have to jump into the first round. And if we're being honest about it, the NBA's first round... Besides one or two or three series, it's not ultra competitive anyway. It's not like the conference finals or the finals. So it, it's not like you're jumping into a massive level of intensity. Um, so I would say you hope that players can just kind of jump back in after their training camps and after some practices and get it going. And, and you know, everybody's going to be on a level playing field in that regard. Because if you're doing preseason games or playing tournaments or what have you, you know, there's some question there. Well, like, what about these teams? These teams didn't get a chance to play. Or these teams are more rested. Or these teams are more fresh. Or, you know, that these teams uh, actually got a chance to ramp up and these teams didn't, whatever. Uh, I think the fairest way to do it is just skip over the preseason, skip over the playing the regular season games again, and just jump into what you were saying. Don't do the 20 teams. Uh, like, I don't hate any of these ideas. There's a lot I wouldn't prefer, but I just want basketball back. You know, watching FIBA last year, I don't even think I'd mind watching group play all that much. But if we're just talking about what's best for the integrity of the league and player safety, if those two things are number one and number two concerns, then just skip straight to the playoffs. Don't do playing games. Don't do group play. Don't do reseeding. Don't do more regular season games just to try to make it fair. Keep it the way it's always been. And the teams that are in the playoffs right now are in. Sorry, Damian Lillard. Sorry, sorry Zion Williamson. But that's what's best for the integrity of the league. The way, when people look back at history, 
You know, and when that, when they actually this whole thing gets over and they look back at all the playoff scenes, if you go to you know Celtics playoff history, you can scroll through and see all their years. So this way, when they go back, look back on that, they'll look roughly the same as any other years. It'll be seven game series, or maybe if you want to do a five game first round series, that's fine with me too. But I don't know if you want to do that. But besides the dates on the calendar, everything will look the same, and I think that's vastly important to whatever this playoff scenario ends up being. You know, I, I want to give people as few avenues as possible to discredit the champion of the NBA season. And if you trick it up and try to get creative with it, then you're giving people the opportunity to say it was a fake championship or that it wasn't fair. I'm not going to say it no matter what, but I just don't want other people to say it. And I think this is the best way to avoid that. You know, you're opening Pandora's box if you do all this stuff. And I don't understand why we're even entertaining reseeding or group play. Like, th- th- there's no functional reason that you have to do that. That's just the NBA getting too fancy. You're not doing this because the pandemic is forcing you to do that. You're doing it because the pandemic is enabling you to do that. You see what I'm saying? It's not because they have to. It's because they want to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like you said, we're all going to tune in. Every NBA fan is going to be watching regardless of of what they end up doing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the more avenues people have to, to discredit a championship and say that whatever team wins didn't deserve it because of, you know, a weird new rule or a different road. We don't really want that in our game. It would be preferable to just have a standard system and, you know, uniform with with what we've had in the past. To me, there's just no good reason not to just go one to eight each conference the same way we've always done and skip right to the playoffs. And this also gets back to the point about how this is best to keep players safe. You know, more teams means more people interacting. And by all accounts, keeping the number of people interacting down is a good thing. So we shouldn't bend over backwards for the Blazers or Pelicans to have a chance to get in. I mean, sorry, you both had a disappointing seasons, and it's not like these teams are, are tied or separated by a tiebreaker with the eight seed right now, or even a half game back or one and a half games back. You know, like some nine seeds are in some years, it's incredibly close there. The, the closest team is the Blazers at three and a half back. That's not that close. It's not like you should really be extending yourself for a team in that position. I mean, could they have gotten into the playoffs if the season continued? Maybe, but I would say probably not. You know, that's a significant gap. So it's far from criminal to skip right to the playoffs, especially in this situation. You know, like with all everything going on, with the ground to make up that's there, it's fine to just say, you know what, this is our playoff field. Sorry, but the pandemic forced us to do this. And the fact is it did. And the fact that you're entertaining all these other possibilities makes it seem like that's not the case when it really is. It's really, this is what's best for you to do. So you're not doing the Blazers dirty. They were far enough back that saying, you know what, the situation calls for this is, is perfectly fine. So if Damian Lillard wants to complain, he can, but this is what the league is best for the league to do. And if you try to come back and play these regular season games and these teams don't have a chance and their star players aren't playing, then that, that becomes a whole other issue. Yeah, definitely. It's I really don't believe that Portland or, or New Orleans or Sacramento or San Antonio would have would have gotten in anyways, even if we did finish out this regular season just with the way that they've been struggling all year, like you said. So, yeah, I mean, we, we've seen the NBA uh, in recent years looking into these to these new formats and, you know, in-season tournaments and potentially switching off, uh, switching up the, the playoff picture um, for a while now. So I, it feels like this this situation is, is their excuse to experiment and to, and to see, you know, just because they know everybody's going to be watching already. And it's not like they're at risk of, of losing fans if they if they change it up too much now. So, 
yeah, it seems like it's they, they're wanting to experiment now, and um, I don't know if that's exactly the best the best option for them. Yeah, like you said, they're using it as an excuse, and this isn't the thing to this isn't the thing to be doing at this point. It's just it, it, this isn't the time to be experimenting. Mm. And I love all NBA games. I love watching them. I loved the Warriors Clippers series last year. I thought that was competitive. And people people who aren't big fans of the NBA will look at that and say, "Oh, the Warriors were always winning that series, and it doesn't matter." And like you know, the, these lower seeds in the NBA never have a chance. And to some extent, I'm like, "Well, I, I like the series, so I sort of disagree." But on the other hand, I look at this and saying. What, what are we doing? What, are the Blazers winning the championship? Are the Pelicans winning the championship? So why are we throwing around all these ideas to, like I said, bend over backwards to get them a shot to, to lose in the first round or barely playing the games? Like, what are we doing? These teams aren't winning the championship this year, and it doesn't matter. The teams we care about are the other teams at the top, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Raptors, the Bucks, you know, the, the, the Clippers. These are the teams that actually matter. So why are we talking so much about the Blazers and the Grizzlies? Yeah, absolutely. Even besides that, I mean, just changing it up to, to 1 through 16 and having you know, the 1 play the 16 seed, the 2 play the 15, and so on, would create a lot of question marks and, and asterisks in the future, you know, like we were saying before in regards to, all right, well, if the Celtics win, they have to go through all these tough teams, but I've seen that the Lakers' potential roadmap uh, to the championship is a lot easier than, than some other top teams like the Clippers and Boston and, and the Bucks. So, you know, we, we don't want people in the NBA community questioning the, the validity of, of, of the NBA's decision-making and, and wondering if the NBA is intentionally trying to put certain teams in more advantageous positions so that they can advance as far as possible. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the other big thing here that you just said was was people are complaining that the Celtics road is very tough because if they do want to make the championship, they probably, this is their likely road, they'd have to beat the Sixers, the Clippers, the Bucks, and then the Lakers, which is obviously, you know, you, you could argue the four, uh, well, not the Sixers, but the, the Sixers obviously, you know, they're underachieving team, but they're still very talented. But the Clippers, Bucks, and Lakers, you could argue the three best teams in the NBA. So, um, you know, that's obviously a very difficult road. And you just mentioned the Lakers, like this whole thing about LeBron James going out West, have a tougher road to the finals and really prove something. And you just mentioned how easy their road is. The second best team in their conference, or the, the, I, I say their conference, their section, their side of the bracket, uh, it would be the Raptors and then the Jazz and then the Nuggets, uh, you know, I think they flipped the Jazz and Nuggets there. But, like, you know, all unproven. I, I mean, the Raptors, say what you will about them. They don't have Kawhi Leonard, so I'm going to call them unproven. Uh, you know, and then it's the Pacers, the Rockets. Like, none of these teams, like, are, are real. Like, you, anybody really looked at as contenders this year. I mean, I'm sorry, apologies to the Raptors. But uh, none of these teams, anybody, nobody thought these teams were winning a championship. The teams that people thought were winning the championship were all on that other side of the bracket, Bucks. Uh, Clippers, the Celtics in there, if if you want to. I mean, the Heat even you could throw in there, I suppose, too. So, I mean, it, it's just insane to me. Like, the, it totally flips now. Now LeBron's back in the easiest side of the bracket again. And it's like, okay, I, you know, what, what was the point of him moving at all? Because now he's just going to have the, the... It's almost going to be like the same thing he had in the East for years if you if, if it turns out this way. Because that's... I mean, when I look at the bracket, I see it's that easy. I, I suppose people are talking about if the Nets uh, have... Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving back, then that's a tough team to play, but I don't see that happening. And even if they do, we've seen pl what players look like immediately upon coming back from injury. I don't think Kevin Durant is going to be MVP Kevin Durant upon returning. So he, he might still be a really good player and like 
average around 20, but he's not going to be at the peak of his powers. And, and especially, you know, considering the, the situation the world and these teams are in, he even if he does come back, which I don't think he is, he's not going to be averaging 30 a game. He's just not. Yeah, I mean, I, I really have question marks surrounding Brooklyn, even going into next season for exactly the reason you said. I mean, Kyrie Irving obviously has a lot of injury history over the past couple seasons. Uh, Kevin Durant is coming off of the most devastating injury that a basketball player could really have. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and I, I'm with you. I really don't see them, them either of those players coming back um, for this year's playoffs. And so if that's the case, you know, like you said, Los Angeles isn't really going to have that tough of a road. I mean, I don't, I don't like the Rockets against them. I think Anthony Davis and their bigs will punish that small ball lineup. And, uh, you know, Utah, Denver, Toronto, they're really not – they're good. They have good players, and, and they've – really, I would say all three of those teams have probably overachieved a little bit this season with the amount of talent in the West and with with, with Kawhi Leonard leaving the, the Raptors. But, yeah, I mean, it, I, it's very clear that the – that side of the bracket in this one through 16 format is, is the weaker side. And um, you know, that, that could create a huge advantage if the Lakers end up getting to the championship series. You know, and it's funny, it's just how heartbreaking would it be for the Raptors if they do get to the the conference finals of sorts of what this would be. Like I said, it, it is reseeding one to 16, but that kind of um, like it, it kind of uh, doesn't talk about the part that there's still going to be two sides of the bracket, and it's just like except it's just scrambled up a little bit. So it's it, it's you're kind of ha- going to have pretty much the same format and like you know, pseudo conference finals and stuff like that. But it's just funny if the Raptors do get there and they run into LeBron James, it's like is LeBron James just going to break the Raptors' hearts again? Like they they finally thought LeBron's out of our conference, we're not going to have to deal with him ever again, and then he, here he is waiting for you on on your side of the bracket, but. Um, but yeah, the, like you said, the, the only team that has really the pedigree to me of being maybe a champion would be maybe the Rockets, even though they've played better with Russell Westbrook, but I still don't see them. I, I should, I, I, sorry, I, I, that worded that kind of wrong. They've, they've picked it up. Uh, they picked it up recently before the season ended with Westbrook and Harden. They started playing better than they had been in the early part of the season, but overall I'd say the experiment hasn't worked out the way they probably would have liked it to. I mean, I don't think they've been as good as they were with Chris Paul. I think when you look at the way Chris Paul played with Oklahoma City this season, they probably would have been better off just keeping Chris Paul. Uh, you know, I, I would argue that at least. But as far as what what that matchup could look like, I would like to see it. I don't know that the Rockets would win. And like you said, I mean, it could just be a demolition with Anthony Davis down low. But the first game that the Rockets played after trading away Clint Capella was against the Lakers and that was the the game that I, I I tuned in for because I was like I feel like this is a big game because the Rockets are not starting anybody over six seven and I was like this is a big moment for the NBA like is this really gonna work and they played that game and they won and it was it was uh kind of interesting to watch because basically the Lakers were doing what you would think they would do they're like all right we're just gonna pass it down to Anthony Davis and Davis wasn't uh you know hitting everything he was you know. D- doing decent enough but the Rockets were like all right you yep you post up Anthony Davis every play and we're just going to go down the other end we're going to shoot threes and we're going to have Russell Westbrook attack the basket and go four out and it was kind of like okay they're they're I mean this is what the Rockets have always done they're playing the math game and um you know it, it was fun to watch and they won so would it work in a playoff series I tend to think it wouldn't but uh, you know that I, I don't know they won that game so I, I mean I would at least want to see it um 
All right, let's move on now. Let's move on to these the Celtics uh, games we were talking about. We're each going to run through our five top five Celtics games of the last 15 years. Now, I, I don't know how you did your list. I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen mine. Um, but I'll just tell you, I went from a kind of a neutral perspective, just from a competitive competition standpoint, what the best games I've seen them playing were. So I have a few losses in here. Um, I, all of them are playoff games. Uh, so I'll just let you start. I'll let you start with your, your number five game. Um, unless you have anything else you want to preface about your list based on what I just said. Yeah, I actually did mine kind of the opposite of you. Uh, so for me, really, it was, it was just the most memorable kind of Celtics games that I've seen over the past 15 years. Um, so all of these are wins. I can definitely say that. A little different, but I do think that we probably will have a few that will align. So uh, my number five is actually the only regular season game I have on this list. And that's a December 28th, uh, 20, 2017 matchup against the Rockets. So this is where the Celtics overcame a 26-point deficit. And I'm a little biased here because I was actually at this game. This is the one and only game I've ever been at at the Garden, seeing the Celtics. And the game ended with uh, two drawn charges on James Harden, courtesy of Marcus Smart. Definitely one of the more memorable uh, Marcus Smart stretches of games that I've seen. Um, Horford hit a game winner, a little jump hook in the post with about two seconds remaining. And it was just a great time. Very cool to see. And, and, uh, definitely one of the most memorable regular season games that I've, that I've ever seen. Yeah, definitely a favorite of the fan base who I know every time that we talk about that game, people love it. Uh, people love to see Marcus Smart on those charges. And it's really the signature Marcus Smart game, probably. Um, and just in terms of what he does for your team and kind of, when people talk about, hey, he just makes winning plays that don't show up on the stat sheet, like that's a game you would point to. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it was very memorable for those reasons. And obviously, um, the comeback to it kind of almost gets forgotten because people just want to talk about those plays Marcus Smart play made and James Harden and Chris Paul's face and all this stuff. So that, that is a good pick. Um, I'm going to start with mine. I, I will say I'm going to start with this honorable mention and then I'll get into number five. And I'm not going to talk about this for long, but my honorable mention, I had a, I was really deciding what am I going to cut here? And I had to cut Cavaliers-Celtics Game 7, 2018. Um, and that was the game, obviously, they lost. Jason Tatum's dunk, which just had, you know, the anniversary of it the other day. So that th- he's dunk on LeBron. It's a great signature play from Tatum. It was a great playoff run, and it was the end to a great playoff run. The game itself wasn't all that great. Kind of a slog, pretty low scoring, a lot of missed threes. So the game itself really wasn't as competitive as as entertaining um, as a lot of games, other games on this list. So I couldn't put it uh, higher than an honorable mention. But I did want to mention that game because it it is one that stands out. But and and for a few reasons, like I said, the great playoff run, the great signature play by Tatum. It feels like that game was was awesome. When you really think back on it, it 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 was a grind for a long a long uh, a lot of that game. So um, that's just an honorable mention. Number number my actual number five conveniently is Cavaliers Celtics game 7 2008 uh so that you know 10 years earlier the same teams also a game seven um Paul Pierce and LeBron James going toe to toe uh you know they both score over 40 I think James scores 45 Pierce scores 41 maybe the most important game of that entire playoff run for the Celtics in 2008 if Pierce doesn't play the way he did in game seven they don't win the title they get eliminated by LeBron James scoring 45 uh and they're out in the semis and uh, you know this is a game to me that really solidified Paul Pierce as like LeBron James's nemesis. And when when Pierce says he was the last player 
to go up against LeBron and not be afraid of him. I actually kind of buy into that. Uh, and, you know, the, this game is partially why. The shot he hit on him in Game 5 of 2012 is partially why. You know, I feel like Paul Pierce really did go toe-to-toe with LeBron. People kind of forget that. And this is the game um, that kind of stands out and proves that. So uh, this was a huge game. And I'll put it, it also uh, gave us that picture of Paul Pierce on the ground with the ball screaming after he dove for a loose ball. So I'll put this one at five just for the pure one-on-one matchup between two great small forwards and a game seven well as well. It has to be on the list to me. That was that was a great game. You know, I, I'm actually kind of regretting that I didn't put put that on mine now that you now that you're talking about it. <laughs> but yeah, so moving into my number four, uh, I got the twenty seventeen Eastern Conference Finals game three versus Cleveland. So uh, after a pretty embarrassing first two games of the series uh, that saw Boston get blown out of their own building and J.R. Smith was doing the sweeping motion, uh, coupled with an unfortunate Isaiah Thomas injury that that ended up putting him out for the rest of the the series and the season, uh, the NBA community had pretty much written off the Celtics and definitely was calling for a sweep heading into Game 3 in Cleveland. Uh, which made this steal of a win even better. Marcus Smart hit a playoff career high, seven threes, and Avery Bradley had the the Kawhi Leonard-esque jump shot, bouncing off the rim a few times and dropping in at the buzzer uh, to win the game. I remember watching this one and just being being so excited. This is one of the more improbable victories, especially uh, without IT in the lineup and and, you know, facing the, the Cavs with that three-headed monster of LeBron and, and Kyrie and, and Kevin Love. So just, just to be able to steal one game in this series that I think we all assumed Boston would get swept was, was definitely a cool moment. Yeah, that was a great one. And you're right. I mean, you, you lose your MVP player and you had already got trounced in the first games. You got blown out. So it was going to Cleveland after losing the first games in Boston. It did feel like it was over. It did feel like it was a sweep. And everything about that game was pretty great. Obviously, I'd say the only reason I don't have it on the list is because they lost that series 4-1. So it kind of taints the victory a little bit for me. But as a singular game, it, it was a special. It was a special night. So I can't, I can't disagree with that. I will say my number four, it is one of the ones they lost uh, that is on my list. This is... Game 2, 2012, Heat Celtics. So this is, Celtics lost this game, like I said, and I'm actually getting ready to tweet about it in a couple days because it's the anniversary of it coming up, but this was the game that uh, a guy you just wrote about, Roger Rondo, had 44 points, it went to overtime, Rondo was actually fouled by Wade, Uh, there was no call, it was a huge swing play, that you know, they didn't call the foul, so uh, it was incredible to see Rondo take over this game, uh, and, and, you know, it was the way he was able to score in this one, it's, we've just never seen him score like that. So uh, after this game, the Celtics actually did go on. They won the next three in the series, and you're kind of left to wonder if the refs call that foul on Wade that they should have. Do they win the series if they win the game there? Because it was actually tied late in overtime when that foul happened, and Rondo was down on the court after the play, and he got a 5-on-4, and they got an easy dunk, and they go up two. And that's kind of all she wrote because he kind of took off from there. But that was really the turning point, and it's unfortunate that it played out that way. Uh, but it, it was a very competitive, very dramatic game, and that's why it's here at the top of the uh, on top of the fact that it was just one of the best games of Roger Rondo's career. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us were, were expecting that from him. You know, hit, hitting jump shots and just really an unstoppable force as a scorer, which is uh, 
pretty unprecedented for Rondo's career to that point, even after that that great uh, 2010 playoffs run that he that he had. But yeah, my my number three is uh, 2008 NBA Finals Game Four versus the Lakers. Uh, the Celtics completed a 24-point comeback in LA, which remains today as the largest single-game comeback in NBA Finals history. And I feel like this was really the the marquee win of that uh, of that 2008 championship series. Uh, this game ended up ending with with Boston taking a 3-1 lead going into uh, Game Five in in LA and then obviously this is before uh, the NBA changed the, the finals format from two, three, two to two, two, one, one, one. So uh, yeah, you know, really this, it seemed like the Celtics were, were in, in command of, of the series to this point. And it was just a, a really great game overall. Rayon was hitting some clutch shots. Eddie house was, came up real clutch off the bench and, uh, a bit of a low scoring game as, as it kind of used to be back, back in the two thousands before the three point revolution took over the, the game so much, but yeah, definitely a, definitely a great one. And again, one of the, one of the more memorable ones of, of that, that entire playoff run for me. Yeah. So this is actually my number three as well. Um, you know, like you said, biggest comeback in NBA finals history, you know, everybody talked about that Patriots comeback against the Falcons. This one was just as special, uh, I think. I mean, it, it, you're talking about that level of, of comeback when you talk about this game. I mean, it was it was that impressive that the Celtics were able to come back from such a large deficit, especially, you you mentioned, without the three-pointer being like a huge part of the game, it's not like comebacks like this were, were seen that often back then. Now, you know, you see the Warriors come back from uh, a couple points in the, the Rockets, obviously, a few years ago against the Clippers that they, you know, are able to come back from a large deficit. But it wasn't like that back then, so coming back from this de- this kind of deficit was even more surreal. And it, it, even despite that, it's still it, despite the fact the comebacks are a little more common now, it, it still remains the biggest comeback in NBA Finals history. So we'll see how long that stands. But it, it was a, a special game for those reasons. So, um, like I said, that was my number three as well. So you can just jump in with your number two. Gotcha. So uh, for this one, you know, th- these last two for me was was really they were really close, and I had a, a really hard time deciding which I wanted to put at number two and number one, but I ended up going with 2017 Eastern Conference semifinals, game two versus the Wizards. So this was obviously uh, Isaiah Thomas's 53-point performance uh, just a few weeks after his sister died, and actually this was on what would have been his sister's birthday. Uh, and I, I just remember this game being being so emotional for, for obviously IT and for the whole team and for the fan base. And this is just one of the, really the coolest moments that, that I've ever seen in, in sports is seeing somebody uh, that, you know, obviously at five, nine, being able to, to score 50 plus points in a playoff game is, is something we haven't seen since Allen Iverson. And uh, I, I really consider this to be one of the all time great individual performances by, by a Celtic in any game. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Actually, Again, my number two as well is is this one. And besides just the great performance, which you just mentioned, also it, the game went to overtime. So besides the fact that Isaiah was playing great, it was also a very competitive, great game. I think John Wall was having a great game in that one as well. Uh, and it really felt like going into that one, I remember thinking like, the Wizards, this is going to be tough. Like they're really, I, I felt like the Wizards are going to win unless we had this kind of singular great performance from Isaiah Thomas. And we obviously got it and he ends up, 
uh, winning the game, and and we that like ends up you know the Celtics one and seven. So this was a a huge uh, win for them, and and you know kind of was a big reason why they end up going on to win the series there. Um, and that shot obviously hit over Marcus Moore or Marcus uh, Markeith Morris, I should say, uh, in that game. Obviously, like that was that was signature play of it, and it's just one of those games. It, Isaiah Thomas, he'll never have another game like that. It's crazy how his career has gone since that year, but. It was just such a special year, and that was the the culmination of it. Um, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give my number one because you've stolen two, two in a row of mine. So I'll give my number one, and then I'll let you give your number one. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure we're not going to overlap on this one because this is going to – might shock you. My number one is actually another loss, which is crazy to have as my number one, I know. But number one for me is Bulls-Celtics Game 6, 2009 – I think one of the best playoff games of all time. I mean, you know, triple overtime, which is just insane. I know there's a commercial about it that me and my friends love about, you know, the, the ball talking about um, the, the the basketball talking. They did these NBA playoff commercials in like, I don't know, I guess it would have been 2011 around then where the basketball is just talking about like different moments in NBA history. Like they're interviewing a basketball uh, that was supposedly involved in these games and the basketball's talking and he's like, oh, is it hot in here? He's like, it's been... It's been four years and I'm still sore or something <laughs> like that. And he's like, everybody out there took a beating. And he's like, if they're going to work I, every play, I got to work every play. What am I going to do? Cry? Go home? Take myself and go home? And game six? I, I don't know. I didn't think I was going to make it. And, you know, it, so it is, it, besides just the fact that the commercial was great, the game was amazing. And, you know, the fact that it goes into triple overtime, just ridiculous. Ray Allen, w- w- it was. Uh, you mentioned a performance he had earlier. He was ridiculous in this game. I think he scored close to 50 points, around 50 points, but... It was insane. Um, so I know it feels weird having number one as a loss, but this game was just that good. And uh, it's not as scarring as some other losses because they do ultimately go on to win the series and this one. Um, but just in terms of like, if you're looking at the list of all-time great NBA playoff games, this to me has to be top 10 in the last 15 years. One of the best games and maybe the best first round playoff series game of all time. That's how good this one was. Yeah, definitely. That one was definitely an honorable mention for me. Uh, yeah, Ray just just popping off like that was was really awesome. I wish they would have had Kevin Garnett for that for that run and that series. I think it, it might have been a lot different, but uh, but yeah, definitely one of the best first round playoff games that we've ever seen easily. Uh, my my number one, uh, I I had to go the 2008 NBA Finals Game Six, the championship clincher. Uh, you know. I just I don't know what I don't know how else you could really go with any other Celtics game uh, over the past 15 years outside of the one where they beat the, the Lakers in Boston by 39 points. We had we had the special moments. Obviously, the KG anything is possible after the game and his his crazy and one off the backboard. You had Pierce and and Rondo making plays. They both were were had a lot of assists and were. were really making plays at a high level in that game. And yeah, it was just really the culmination of, of Boston's best season since the eighties. It was, it was just a, a really cool way to cap off a really phenomenal year. Yeah. And obviously it was a game I enjoyed and it kind of goes to, to back to what you were saying is how our lists were, were sort of different. And it's funny because we, I mean, still we ended up having three and two the same, but number one, just drastically different games from a perspective of mine's like a close game that was uh, gripping and, and they ended up losing and yours was just a blowout that was like party city. And it kind of goes back to, like I said, what you said at the beginning, which was 
I think my my list was more of like competitively as a basketball game is like would like a neutral observer look at these games who wasn't ha- didn't have a dog in the fight and say like wow that was a great basketball game and yours was like pure from a Celtics perspective like what are the best kind of moments that that and the most like exhilaration that the city has felt for the team um, over the the 15 years so it, it's funny how there was that level of overlap despite the fact that they were constructed so differently but yeah I mean that game. Just the just like I said, pure exhilaration. It was just it, it. I mean, usually NBA Finals games, you're a little bit nervous. Nobody was really nervous uh, in the second half of that game. It was just a, a complete rout, and it was surprising because that Lakers team was good, uh, but they just absolutely trounced them in that game, and it was it was a great way to win a championship because you're celebrating before the the final buzzer even sounds. Um, and so it's a it's a little different from like say Game Seven Cavaliers. Warriors where it's just like it's this total slip of emotion you see some players crying and stuff like that um like obviously Kevin Garnett has that great moment where he's banging on the the TD Garden or the Celtics logo in the middle of the TD Garden um but it's just it's just different from that complete flip like that you see LeBron James have where he's in like ultimate competitive like kind of like on overdrive mode to like just this wave of emotions versus the Celtics who are like getting partying all game pretty much um, from the outset. Yeah. So, 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 but yeah, I, I do think it's interesting. Like I said, how those, how the lists were, were similar despite the fact they were constructed so differently. Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've had a lot of great, of great memories being Celtics fans these last bunch of years. All right. Well, uh, I guess, I guess that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Jason, thank you for coming on Uh, i really appreciate it and i hope to talk to you again soon hopefully with nba basketball being played absolutely thank you for having me all right remember guys you can follow jason on twitter at yeg zero uh or yeg zero i guess i'm sorry (laughs) the y-e-a-g-s zero i say i i feel like yeg zero works better i know it's i know it's yeager but i feel like yeg zero works better for that but anyway follow him on twitter at y-e-a-g-s zero follow me on twitter at kjjbs follow the pod on twitter check out everything over at guy boston sports and thank you guys for listening we'll see you next week